Well, good evening, Todd. Good evening, Vietnam. <laughs> that was a really good mix-up. We, t- we took it took it to a, d- a different direction. That's for took sure. A, took a R.I.P. Robin Williams. We love you. <laughs> so, what you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> what have I been up to? I've actually been making a list, Ooh. a running list of things I need to accomplish before I leave on Friday. And it just keeps growing and none of them are getting done. Oh, wow. So we're so I'm so glad we talked to our guests today because mm-hmm. now I feel like starting is the first step starting, you know, starting getting motivated to do it and then putting that into action you know what i mean but yeah i'm just i'm trying my best to yeah just be productive that's yeah. all I, that's all i can tell you i have not left my house for the past like 3 days so well to be fair we kind of did this to ourselves we chained ourselves to the house to do a bunch of podcasts in a row but we got to get them in we got to yeah. get them in and what a season this is i'm even more excited about this season than I was last season. Last season was amazing, but like this season is like, it's shaping up to be just a really, because now we like, we get it now, you know? <laughs> we, we know everything now, so it's fun. No, no, not that. No, no I I'm meant like we get kidding. the podcasting thing. We understand yeah. how it works and we understand what we're doing. Now we're just able to like let loose and have fun and interview these amazing people. Yeah. And I maybe not be so stressed about it or, or being afraid of messing up because at this point I'm just like, I know what's going to happen. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I, you know, if I sound like an idiot, I sound like an idiot. I've given, I think one of the first episodes I asked our editor to cut out when I miss like spoke uh, some kind of saying or something. And he's like, that's just, no, that's <laughs> just a podcast. And I was like, all right, you're fine. I've totally thrown that out the window. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> I feel like this season is, you know, we've been able to let our hair down a little bit more and get to know people a little bit better and, and the variety, like I'm really variety. liking the variety. It's the variety is a lot the, of stuff is the going on. And, For and sure. what have you been up to? What have you been up to? Well, by the way? so like you, I have been trying to be more organized. I'm, you know, pretty organized as is, but, but you have a, you have a Christie. Yeah, I have a Christie, but that is like home edit organizing. That's like yeah. my closet. I mean, like my thoughts and my life oh, and all like saying. the thousands of papers we have <laughs> for all of these things that we're doing, but also getting like, I've been really trying to get healthier. So I'm like, I've been on that rowing machine that I've had. You have been. been. You've been like, you got dust. off the phone with me the other day to go work out. Yeah. I've been, so I've been working out now. My goal is I was going to say every day and it got to a point where I was like, my body hurt. So six right. days of the week and wow. yeah. And so far I've kept to it for the past few weeks. So I'm just, it's great for mental health. I mean, speaking really of this is. podcast, yeah. <laughs> it is great for our endorphins. As we learned today from our guests. So really everything we've been doing has been very on brand with who we have <laughs> on today. Exactly. And we you know we've learned a lot through this whole, like we're, we're learning the common themes against people of all different walks of life, all different professions, but it all leads back to the same thing. We're all, we are all responsible for our destiny. Yeah. Personal responsibility, personal accountability. We are the only people that we can change or control. So with that, who do we have on the program today? So today we have Jimmy Hayes Nelson. So I'll just go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about him. Jimmy Hayes Nelson, AKA coach Jimmy has been a high-performance business coach for over a decade. 
Jimmy's unique skill is helping his clients to seamlessly connect their personal stories to their product or service, creating a strong know, like, and trust factor. Using his 20-plus years of experience as a stage and film performer, he crafted his own personal story to create a seven-figure business and now dedicates his life to helping professionals craft their own stories to attract and impact the lives of their ideal audiences. As Coach Jimmy says, tell a story, change the world. So without further ado, we give you Jimmy Hayes Nelson. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Hi, welcome. We're so happy to have you. I'm excited to be here today. Yes, we're all pretty excited because, I mean, you know, you and Todd know each other from we do from our new york days yeah yes and we've we were realizing before the show it's been like over a decade and so we have so much to catch up on so i'm sure we will fill our entire time with not only my backstory but so what's your best decade been just anecdotes (laughs) nonstop, and i'm okay with it i can just sit back and relax then like y'all just get after it and just be entertained yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jimmy, we are thrilled to have you on the show, and uh, you've accomplished so much in this last decade, which we will get into shortly. But for some of our listeners who may not know you, could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and how you got to where you are today? Yes. It's funny, as I was preparing for this, I knew like a question like this was going to come, and I'm like, so where do you start? And what I realized is all of this, and you're going to roll your eyes, and it's going to seem like, Jimmy, I don't need you to go that far back. But this whole thing started in the first grade in West Texas. We are on this podcast because in the first grade in Lubbock, Texas, my elementary school was doing a Christmas play. And every different grade had a different presentation. And my first grade class got picked to do the musical number called Too Fat for the Chimney. And this was, I'll age myself, this was the early 80s. This is before there was a childhood obesity epidemic, and I was the fat kid in class. Oh, so when no. I heard, we're doing too fat for the chimney. Oh, Lord. It was a gripping tale about how Santa was not going to be able to deliver presents because Stop. he couldn't get down the <laughs> chimney because everyone together, he was too fat <laughs> for the, the chimney. chimney. But magic. It was magical. I mean, it. I'm shocked we didn't tour it. We should have won Tony. <laughs> no, but seriously. So, okay. So here I am. I'm the fat kid in my class. At the time, I think I was like the only kid I knew that like came from a broken home. My parents were divorced. It wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't seem as prevalent, I guess, mm-hmm. as it is now. So, you know, little first grade Jimmy, not a whole lot of confidence, not a whole lot of swagger to his game, but he thought, here's an opportunity, right? I'm going to be Santa Claus. And my best friend, Justin Martin, who was the popular kid in class, if there are popular kids in first grade, he seemed popular to me. He had a lot more friends than I did. Skinniest kid in class. They made him Santa Claus. And they wrapped him. (laughs) I know, right? You were made for this role. Politics and casting all the way back in first grade. They put him in a fat suit. Well, kind of. (laughs) Fat suit meaning multiple pillows wrapped around him and put him in a Santa outfit and then all my other friends, they put in like 1980s Jane Fonda jazzercise gear. We're talking the headbands, the leg warmers, and all of them. All this, you know, all my little support system, it's my buddy Justin Asanta, it's all the jazzercise people. They're all upstage, you know, like safe upstage all together, literally doing like a step routine, trying to help Santa lose weight. To lose weight. Oh my gosh, what an interesting Yours message. Truly, Fat little insecure Jimmy, they put me, God bless my grandmother, my granny, 
made me like this onesie feety pajama outfit with like the feet and the zip up and the little drop bottom and the stocking cap. Uh huh. And they push my insecure fat ass to the end of the stage, like looking out amongst my peers and everybody in the school and had me sing the solo, Too Fat for the Chimney. Oh my gosh. But it was in that magical moment, Todd, you'll understand, when you get up there and you open your mouth for the first time and you sing, he's too fat for the chimney, too fat for the chimney. And just like that, man, I had somebody smile. People were nodding, and it was the first time in my life that I got a, like a positive emotional response from an audience. And I was like, oh, that's what this feels like. And I probably didn't realize it in the moment, but looking back on my entire history of like, where did this start? It was like, that was the first time, you know, coming from a broken home with a pretty nasty custody battle, I felt like I had to play a role in one house and a role in another house. And I just felt like that was the first time in my life that it was like, I just got to be me. It was just me, and I was accepted for me, and it was like home base. Now, the crappy thing about realizing what you were designed to do at such an early age, and I find this with a lot of people that I work with, is we each are given some kind of inherent gift. We know that we were designed for something, and once we stumble upon it in life, our brain also immediately makes a list of why we'll never be able to accomplish those things, or why... There are other people that are more qualified or you're never going to be the best at this. And so for me, as I, you know, it started me on this journey of, okay, I think I want to perform, but it was, you know, obviously number one, not being comfortable with my skin, just being this fat kid that, okay, I'm supposed to be in front of an audience, but I'm also not comfortable in front of an audience because I don't like the way I feel in front of things. I don't feel comfortable in my clothes. I'm very self-conscious. And then it was this idea of, well, maybe I'm not the best at acting, singing, performing. And it, it really, you know, the best way I can describe this is it planted a seed of bitterness in me. I became this real victim mentality of, mm. I would explain to other people why it's harder for me to achieve these things than others, right? Of course, they're going to do better. Their parents paid for them to go to, you know, the best voice teachers, the dance class, when I was trying to go to college, when I decided this was what I wanted to try to do, it was, well, we can't even afford, Jimmy, to, to allow you to go audition for the schools you wanted to go to. So like, I started doing research and I was like, I want to go audition at CCM in Cincinnati or I want to, like, I figured out where I wanted to go and I was like, sorry, we can't. And I ended up, you know, here in Dallas, you know, my parents had moved here by now to your community college. And so it was like, oh, I'm at a lesser school. Oh, I'm having to work two jobs. Oh, it's not my fault. I'm in the body I'm in. You know, you know lard is a food group in West Texas. It was what my parents <laughs> fed me. Like there was always, there was always reasons, right? People don't look at them as excuses and we don't look at it even as, it, we're not complaining. We're just saying, I'm not complaining. You know, I'm not complaining and I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying. And mm -hmm. so we try to justify to the rest of the world, why we are where we are. And that's a common Southern thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's, it is very Southern. I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying yeah. there's fried chicken at every, saying, you, know, you know, after church. Know I'm just saying I can't afford a gym membership. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, whatever it happened to be, whether it was my weight, whether it was my mindset, whether it was, you know, pursuing performing, there was always some. I look at it back now, it was reasons and excuses, but in my head, it was just these justifications. Like, well, what would anybody else do? 
Yeah. You know, my mom and dad are paying for these things. I don't look like that guy. Those people are more talented than me. And so that sent me on this. I was just bitter. You know, it's almost like I carried that around as like some badge of honor that I have to work twice as hard to get results that you get. And it's easier for everybody else. And just this bullshit story. But that's literally what I kind of hung my hat on. And it made me feel better about where I was or wasn't in life. And so, you know, I went to school here and then even ended up getting a scholarship to the University of Oklahoma, you know, I, as a musical theater major there, and I left there and went and worked at Disney. And then I went back to college and I kept moving. Like I would go somewhere else, think, oh, this is where things are going to get better. Right. And then I would go somewhere else and they would be better for a little bit. And then all the same issues would pop up again. Mm-hmm. And then I would go, oh, you know what? It's y'all's problem. And I would go somewhere else and things would be okay for a little bit. And it was y'all's problem until I found myself at 22 as a three-time college dropout, hundred pounds overweight. And my mom calling me on the phone and I was in Orlando, Florida at Rollins College at the time after I'd left working at Disney. And my mom was like, hey, Jimmy, we keep getting like all the bills, right? At this point, I probably maxed out three credit cards and collections agencies were calling and she was just like, we're worried about you. We really think you should move home. And I wanted to have this big, you know, dramatic, grandiose, you know, oh no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to survive and I'm going to, I'm going to overcome and I'm going to be this artist. And really when she said it, I just surrendered. It was just this give up moment because I knew she was right. I knew she was right. And so I found myself moving back here to Dallas at 22, this whopping three-time college dropout, 100 pounds overweight, and all those things that I had said of, it's not going to work. All the, I knew what I was supposed to do with my life, but I had allowed this mindset of mine, this victim mentality, as I like to call it, it came to fruition, right? All this stuff like I'm never going to because, and I found myself you know, back at home. And it wasn't until, and about by this point, and, and Todd, you probably can think about this time of like, you know you're supposed to be this performer or this artist, and you've been kicked so many times that I got back home and I just, I let all that go. I let all that go and I just went from trying to pursue something to simply surviving each day. And I stopped performing. I got back here. I'd lost all confidence, like didn't want to sing, didn't want to get on stage. And I just, I started bartending and waiting tables here in Dallas. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I was at my parents' house. I would sleep in as late as I could, which is funny because the people that follow me on social media now give me a hard time about my, like, my early morning routines and stuff, but I would sleep as late as I could. Oh my God, I love your early morning routines on, I, on I know, Instagram. But this, this also shows where people can change because this wasn't this long ago that yeah. I would sleep as late as I could and I was always late, which is funny because it's a pet peeve of mine now. So mm. it, people think that they can't change. The person that I was then and now, I feel like I'm just a completely different creature, but it's good to remind myself where these things started. So I'd gotten up, I was running late because I was working a lunch shift, which sucked because you didn't make any money during the lunchtime. And I'm upstairs in my parents' house and I run, I take a quick shower and get out of the shower, and wrap a towel around myself. And, and normally I would just scurry past the mirror, right? Guy, hundred pounds overweight, don't want to spend a whole lot of time in front of the mirror, specifically in a towel. And for whatever reason that day, I just stopped and I looked at myself and I didn't respect the guy looking back at me. And the thought that crossed my head was, who's going to love this? And it was just this idea of, Jimmy, you're an adult. If something doesn't change, this is your life, bro. And I think it really was the first time in my life I took 100% responsibility for where I was. 
because up till now it was, let me explain. Yeah. Yeah. Let me and tell I, you why. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good point. And I think a very common theme throughout kind of what you do and how you help people. So kind of playing off everything that you just said about how you, you know, got to this point of realization, I think that really sets the tone for what you now do. And you're now what you call a storyteller and business coach who helps connect business owners' personal stories to their product and services. So can you explain what a storyteller is just to give everybody kind of an idea and how you coach others with that method? Absolutely. So for the past 15 years, and we'll get a little bit into how this transition happened, which was not too far after where I was in my story, right? And it's the idea that I help business owners, whether it's corporations, whether it's entrepreneurs, whether it's people building online businesses or face-to-face or brick and mortars, I help them get more customers. And the way that I do that is I come in and work with them and show them how they can craft a personal story that ties to their product and service. And it's been such a treat to be able to do that for people because so many people think there's a couple things. They either think their story is not big enough, like they need this giant, you know, dramatic story in order for it to move anybody, which you don't. I actually find the smaller the story, the more relatable the story. Sometimes it's better, right? Not everybody has a hundred pound overweight, three time college dropout story. You don't need one. And number two is people remember stories. I think the last time I checked the statistic was you're 66 times more likely to remember a story than a statistic. So even when I'm working with somebody like, let's say a real estate agent who's going, even if they're networking, right? They're at like a cocktail party. And if somebody's like, so what do you do for a living? Instead of just saying, I'm a real estate agent, I'm a voice coach, I'm a paralegal, I'm a lawyer, whatever. When we go through and we map out their story, I even give them like a one minute version, like an elevator version of, you know, if I was going to use mine for an example. So Jimmy, what do you do for a living? Well, when I was in the first grade, I sang for the first time on a stage and got an emotional response from an audience. And for the past 15 years, I've been helping business owners like you get an emotional response from your potential clients to help you get more customers. You're going to remember me differently, even in that minute of a story than if I just said, I'm a storytelling coach and a bunch of question marks went up and everybody's like, like, what's that? Yeah. Or people aren't waking up in the morning thinking, you know what I need today? I need a storytelling coach. No, but they do wake up in the morning and go, I need some more customers. Yeah. So if I can find a way to even take my, you know, I can do a 45 minute keynote with my story or I can do a 30 second anecdote. But my goal is to get people to go, oh, tell me more. Uh, you make it personal. Absolutely. Yeah. So you found success in basically personalizing. You could pretty much probably add it to any business, any business out there because people will be attracted to understanding and knowing someone personally and relating to them personally, then they want to buy the product or sign up for whatever service. I mean, I I think it's a very commonly used thing with like charities and profitable, like, you know, nonprofit is to have like a face or have these people that have personal stories so that you then feel affinity towards them. And then you want to give to the cause. Whereas if it's just like a faceless thing, I think it's really cool that you now kind of taken that into the business world because, you know, at the end of the day, people are just more inclined to want to help a person and not a thing. And you've said, in the, you've said in the past, Jimmy, that it's like, it's a 30 second thing. Like people make up their minds in 30 seconds. Am I quoting that correctly? Yeah. It's not too different than walking into an audition. Audition room. I was just going to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And so it's so much of, I didn't know. You know, right before we to let the audience in on the pre-show, before we popped in, 
you know, Todd and I were talking about how we had met and he had seen me in a production and he's like, why did you not continue on that journey? And what I didn't realize uh, until now, you know, nearly 15 years later is that all those hidden hours as a performer was preparing me to serve a very different audience. And sometimes we don't, you know, going into the theme of the next page, sometimes we don't realize that the season we're in is preparing us for a season that we have no clue is around the corner. We think it's preparing us for something, right? When I moved to New York, you know, after that moment in the mirror and, you know, I met a guy that helped me start taking some control of my health and fitness and I lose the hundred pounds and I start performing again here in Dallas. And then somebody asked, why aren't you in New York? And I was like, great question. It's like I needed somebody else to give me permission to go reignite and chase my dream. So I get to New York and I think here's what an ultimate success story, right? The kid that dropped out of college three times, the overweight kid that finally took control of his health and he's going to move to New York and he's just going to crush it. And when I give my keynote speech, the other side of that story is that me going into Times Square, not to be on a Broadway show, not to be on a TV series, not to be in a movie, but to work a promotions gig at 530 in the morning where I'm passing out chocolates. Mm. I'm, in a, I'm in a Newsies outfit, a stupid mm. Newsies. Again, another <laughs> stupid outfit. Outfits. I know, me and outfits. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but I'm in Times Square. You know, I get there. They're like, you, you know, here, Jimmy, go behind that van and put this on, which is always a shady way to start a job in the first place. <laughs> and it's the full on, you know, paper boy, you know, whatever the bag is that goes over your shoulder and oh the knickers gosh. and the hat. Oh, the and they're like, oh, you're going to pass out chocolates to the oh so friendly New Yorkers at 6 a.m. Oh, And it's one of those things where like you almost would have rather people cussed you out than just completely ignore you. Oh, man. And I talk about in that moment that I'm looking up at all the billboards in Times Square. And my thought is, this is how this story was supposed to end. I'm supposed to be up here. Like, don't they know this is how the little fat kid from West Texas, this is how the story is supposed to end. And like many people listen to this right now that feel like they have done all the things right. Even if they've made a mistake in the past. Oh, I corrected those. I took the steps. Therefore, this was supposed to happen. And then to be disappointed, that was kind of where I was at that point as well. And I think what I took most from that was this kind of, you can call it a still small voice inside or whatever like recollection it was. Jimmy, stop waiting for other people to put you on their stages and start making your own. And that was the shift, you know. And so to answer your question, Todd, like why the shift? Why I ended up moving back here? It was, here's a great point. This is something I'm dealing with right now. I got tired of allowing other people to determine my worth in my 16 bars that day. And it really was messing with me and my worth and my self-esteem. And it was, how can I take some control back of this? And it was about that time, my first foray into business was helping other people in the health and fitness space. You know, I had lost my weight with in-home fitness company, Beachbody, the P90X Insanity in-home fitness people. And they had just launched kind of an affiliate part of their business after a while. And it was so funny because I was so against it at first. Not against it. I just didn't think I would be good at it. Ironically, what I do for a living is help people get more customers through storytelling. And when this was introduced to me, I was like, I'm not a salesperson. Mm -hmm. I'm just an actor. And I (laughs) I never put the two together. And, you know, Todd, you were talking about this can really work for anything. So at first I was, I didn't know what I was doing. It was 2007, 2008. 
and nobody was doing this type of thing. It was like early Facebook, right? Facebook had just launched for everybody, not just college kids. And I wasn't having any success with my business like locally in New York. Trying to, I was trying to run fit camps. I was trying to do all these other things. And I was working on a TV show. I was working on Ugly Betty mm. <laughs> for a season in New York. And so I had all this downtime in the green room, right? There's like all this time of hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And that's when I started just tinkering online. And I, it wasn't that I had this huge strategy. I was just doing what I knew, which as an actor was, let me just share my story. And so for the longest time, I just thought what I did just worked in the health and fitness space or just worked in people like in network marketing or in-home businesses. And I really have to give my dad some credit. So my dad's been in real estate for 30 years and he's watching what I'm doing with people that I'm working with. And he's like, Jimmy, can you come talk to my real estate agents? And I just thought they were going to do like a biggest loser challenge. I just thought, okay, I'm going to get some people that want to sign up. I was excited. I was like, okay, this is fun. And he's like, no, he's like, you really never talk about your product or service by name. He's like, but you seem to have customers all the time. And I was too close to what I was doing. I was too close to like, I guess my method or what's become my proprietary process. And I was like, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing. And all it was, was what I was learning. It was scene study classes. It was literally thousands of hidden hours in scene study classes and commercial auditions and this stuff that I just... I was just like, well, I don't know why I'm good at this because, you know, my acting career hadn't gone where I wanted it to go. I like to think I'm talented, but things haven't, you know, gone the way they wanted to. And so I walked in to that room full of real estate agents and I started studying what they were doing online. And I was like, oh, they're really bad at this because I don't know any of these people. (laughs) I just know. I mean, I don't mean, but they were. All I knew was they had an open house and I knew that they were with, you know, Keller, you know, Remax or Keller Williams. And I was like, I don't know you. Yeah, And I think that's where I realized I can have a bigger impact and influence on people doing this, the struggling business owner, the established business that wants to take the next step. I was like, if I, I don't need to make you a performer, but if I can come in and teach you just a few basic things as far as storytelling and how to emotionally take somebody on a journey that we know as performers, you will stand out. Specifically, almost the more analytical the industry is, the more they stand out. The real estate agent, the financial advisor, those people that just want to go straight to the spreadsheets or straight to their PowerPoint, if I can just give them a little bit of storytelling, they'll stand out. Well, Jimmy, on the show, we focus, as you know, a lot on trauma, overcoming obstacles. And you've personally been very vocal about feeling when you were a child, feeling out of place and or different at times with being overweight and you were really bullied for it. I remember I looked at something on Instagram and you were talking, there was a story you talked about. There was this girl who was pointing out how big you were from the house. But how have you personally managed to get through such difficult times in your life? I've been really blessed with the mentors in my life. I think that was another big shift, you know, going back to kind of that moment in the mirror. I keep a note here that stares at me all the time on my desk that says, are you willing to be willing? And what that means to me is, am I willing to be willing to think a different way? Am I willing to be willing to get some feedback? Because when I was in that victim mentality part of my life, it wasn't that people hadn't tried to help me before. I just got really defensive. If anybody made a suggestion, I took it as an attack, not as they're trying to help me. Well, because you had your guard up for protection, I would assume. And it was just like, oh, if you're making a suggestion besides something I'm doing on by default, that means I'm bad. That means you're attacking me. And so I was never open. And I think going back to that moment, it was this idea of 
if you want something different in life, you have to be willing to not always just do something different, sometimes just think differently. And what's crazy is when I made that shift, I realized there were a bunch of people around me and things that had been there always that I just wasn't open to. I had just, you were right. I like, I had had the guard up, right? And so once that came down, I started realizing there were people around me that wanted to help me if I was willing to be vulnerable enough and ask for help. And that has, I've been super blessed. I say blessed in some ways, I, you know, I seek it out now, you know, whether it's mentors, coaches, and most recently, you know, even therapy and things where I'm like, I know I got to keep working on this. I recently was just not far from you in your neck of the woods in Orange County, California. A friend of mine, Dr. Michaela Sarno is one of the most preeminent EMDR therapists in the world. Good Um, to note that. Say her name again. Michaela Sarno. If you just look up Dr. Michaela, you will find her. And what she has done with EMDR is she does five-day intensives. So I went out there and spent two to three hours with her for five days. I've worked with her twice. It's awesome. And what I love about something like that, (laughs) it's funny when it comes to any business, anything like that, as opposed to like Okay, I'll, I'll use it here. Here's kind of a cheesy analogy. It's the difference between if you bought an online course and it's self-paced and you're like, man, I really hope I'm going to make it to this online course. And most of us never do. I would rather go just lock me in a room mm-hmm. and let's get this done. Yeah. Let's fix this. It's the reason I, I do workshops with my clients. I'm like, do you want this dripped out over like six weeks? Or do you want to just like sit down with me for the day or a day and a half and let's just write your story? Yeah. Well, for me, that's what a five-day intensive with Michaela's like, because we go and we figure out, we do some talks beforehand and then we identify what are these limiting beliefs? So what are these patterns that keep coming up in my life? Okay. What am I saying about myself? And sometimes it's usually some version of I'm not enough. I'm not important. I'm not heard. I'm not seen something. Right. And so what you find out is there are usually these moments in our lives. A lot of times it's sometime in childhood where we just locked in on something. And what I've learned also is the other person didn't always necessarily mean it out of malice, Mm. but the way we interpreted it. Yeah. Right. And this is the most bastardized way I can talk about EMDR without getting into the science because it's, it's another thing is I don't need to always understand everything to benefit from it. Right. Mm. Like I have friends of mine that's like, well, I need to know all the science of that supplement before I take it. I'm like, I don't know if it works, I'm going to take it. Or you tell me to do this exercise, I'm going to take it. If I'm going to take this therapy, I'm going to take it. But the way she described it to me is if you look at your brain as a big filing cabinet and you took a memory and you filed, I'm not important right here, or they said this, therefore it means I'm not important or I'm not attractive or whatever the thing is that EMDR, literally what we're doing is we're taking that file and refiling it in another part of the file, as opposed to maybe just talk therapy where you're like, well, one day I'm going to feel better about this. Yeah. It's literally using the left and the right side of your brain to refile that belief. And so for me, this idea of, you know, it's so crazy to go from this guy that wasn't open to anything to now I feel like I'm almost addicted to (laughs) this evolution of personal growth. Give me more. Give me all the ideas. Absolutely. It's like, what is the best version of me? Mm -hmm. And I think part of that was that I've had people ask me from the weight loss part of things. They're like, Jimmy. You know, I've always told people, yes, I'm proud of that I lost 100 pounds. I am more proud of the fact that I have not put it back on in nearly 15 years. And they're like, why do you think that is? And I think this goes, this applies to weight loss and other things. 
I said, in working with thousands of people over 15 years, I realized that so many people are trying to recapture some former version of themselves, right? Oh, I peaked in high school. If I could only look like I did in college. And I didn't because so many people early on in their lives didn't have to live with the consequences of their actions. The, I could eat anything when I was in high school and I looked amazing or I could do what, and this isn't just go for fitness, but I feel like health and fitness are great analogies for so many things. I lived with the consequences of my actions, of my thoughts, of everything early on. So I have constantly been chasing some version of myself that I don't know what peak Jimmy is. I'm not trying to catch some version of me from high school or college. Yeah. I'm trying to get as far away from that dude as possible. And so I think that's been a weird blessing in disguise as opposed to the people that I work with that are trying to recapture some former version of themselves. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I really like the idea. I mean, I think this has been a recurring theme on this podcast in general is, is kind of the reframing the narrative that you have in your head that, you know, I can't or I won't or so this person doesn't love me, even when it comes to relationships, like that you just assume and presume what the other person is thinking. You come up with your own interpretation of that. You get stuck in it. And yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are always kind of trying to chase after some idea they had in their past, but like really without remembering that that's not realistic in any way, shape or form. But like you said, it's kind of a bittersweet, I guess, but lucky that you were able to overcome that because you never really had that as an obstacle. So we'd kind of like to talk a little bit more about your fitness journey. So you are a, currently a beach body coach. That's one of my businesses. Yeah. yeah yes. That was I the mean, first one. Yes. I mean, it's still there, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how, like, kind of want to know how you got involved with that and was that the way that you lost a hundred pounds? And do you believe overall that fitness is essential to good mental health? Oh, that's a good question. So that all started the way I got involved with them in the first place literally was the other side of that moment in the mirror, right? I'm waiting tables and I'm bartending in Dallas and there's a guy that I'm working with that keeps losing weight. And I always joke that I envy, I envy women when things work for them better, right? Specifically in like this social media world, like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You look great. What's the hair product? Where did you get the shoes? Where'd you get whatever? And we dudes don't roll up and be like, yo, you look great in your what jeans. You what are you doing, doing bro? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we they have do in these... my, Jimmy, they do in my community. Maybe not. Uh, that's true. That's <laughs> At the time, I was not willing to ask this dude like what he was doing. But you know, the lesson in that is it's funny. Two things. We look at other people that have what we would like physically, monetarily, in life and relationships. And half the time we won't ask them how they do it. The second part of that is when we ask and they give us an answer, it's crazy how often we're like, oh, that doesn't work. Or I tried that once before. And we just dismiss it immediately. And that's exactly what I did with this guy. He's like, I'm doing these DVDs. And I'm like, I'm not doing your Jane Fonda workout. Like I totally know, but that's how I got. (laughs) So finally, but to his credit, and this goes for anybody trying to build something online in whatever industry you're in and your buddies give you a hard time or you don't get support from your family, I have had more people, complete strangers, allow me to help them faster than people I've known. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And there's some weird thing about people that have known former versions of us that not, even when they watch us do great things, 
right? You know, my people that were closest to me before I started all this, they watched the transformation. They knew it worked, but I got more pushback from them. And so hmm. to this guy's credit, phenomenon. Phenomenon. It's crazy. to this guy's credit, me saying no did not deter him because it was working for him. So he just kept on his path and I came back around and I was like, all right, dude, obviously what you're doing works. I'm like, what are you doing? And, you know, he introduced me to, to Beachbody, which at the time were DVDs back mm-hmm. in the day before mm-hmm. we had streaming everything. Was that Sean T out Not yet? yet? Not yet. We'll okay. get to that, okay. Pre- okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I so did That was some- Tony Horton. This was, this was pre-P90X. This was Power okay. 90. Because I've done the P90X. And, um, but it was funny because it really, it checked so many boxes for me because I was the guy, the few times I tried to go to the gym, I would go in like the old like men's health magazines that would have like a workout in the middle. And try to follow along. But Laura, my mindset was so jacked up that if I went to a gym, was in the corner by myself, and somebody on the other side of the gym, two people were having a conversation and just smiling and laughing, I assumed they were laughing at me trying to figure out what I was doing on the other side. I mean, that's where I was mentally at that point in my life. So the fact that here's something that I could do in my apartment with nobody looking and be as bad at it as possible. There was something very freeing about that. And it was that and plugging into that online community. And what I loved about the community when I found them online is it, yes, there were people in ridiculous shape, but there was also people that were just like a week or two ahead of me. And this is where I tell people, anybody that's going to get into any kind of coaching, whether it's business coaching, whether it's relationships, whether it's fitness, whether it's mindset, you name it, You do not have to be the best in the world at what you do. You only have to be a few steps ahead of somebody to be able to help them. And I think so many of us think, oh, I will launch this business once I get to this point. I will launch that course once I get here. I will start helping other people with their fitness. And that's not the case because there's certain people that will learn from you because they're less intimidated that the fact that Mm. you're just a few steps ahead of them, you're more relatable to them. And even me, when I shifted from fitness to working with so many business owners now, I'm like, I know there's other people in this, you know, public speaking, storytelling space that have bigger audiences that are more quote unquote famous, but they're really not. Cause I could go out here on my street corner and ask, you know, Joe Schmo out here, five people that are in the storytelling, public speaking, and they don't know those people either. Yeah. And there's something, this goes back to your story. There's some people that are going to relate with each of our stories for a different reason. And so when I plugged into that Beachbody community, it was the guy that had just started like a month before me. And he's like, oh, this is where I plateaued before. Oh, this is where I quit. And it was this dual mix of finding people that believed in me more than I believed in myself. I had to borrow other people's confidence early on. And it was the first time that when I wouldn't show up, I had people go, yo, where are you at? And allowing myself to be held accountable. Because in any type of coaching or any type of accountability, it only works when it's a two-way street. The minute the other person stops giving you permission to coach them or help them or encourage them, then you just come across as you're a pain in the ass. Mm. Because no longer are we working on this goal together. You've shut me down. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And you've said that the secret to going back to your business, the the secret to productivity is movement. And so we think that's pretty obvious when it comes to fitness, obviously. But how does it apply in other areas of your life? Such a good, y'all have asked good questions. 
Man, I think if you're going to change your state, you have to change your state. And that always starts physically with me. If I'm in a crap mood or I'm down on myself, I got to go move my body. You know, I, I joke that my workout routine and my fitness routine is just as much therapy for me as it is about any physical goals. I talk about the biggest battle that I still face. The biggest battle I ever did wasn't losing 100 pounds or keeping it off for over a decade. It is the battle I choose to fight every morning with old fat Jimmy who still lives in here. And a mantra that I took on a long time ago is I have to attack my mind before my mind attacks me. I do not wake up in the morning and see what kind of day I'm going to have. I do not, you, you can't wake up and play defense and wait and see. And so a habit that, <laughs> that I started, I don't know how many years ago. I know they say don't touch your phone first thing in the morning, but I'm going to give everybody an exception to that rule. So when I wake up, like literally not even out of bed, don't know my name, it's early. I grab my phone and at this point I I do it so often that YouTube like gives me a bunch of options, but I go put on some kind of motivational collaboration, you know, like a montage video. And it's not necessarily to even watch it. It's just that there's these great videos of personal development speakers like Les Brown or Tony Robbins or Jim Rohn or Zig Ziglar or or more modern day, I guess it would be, you know, Mel Robbins or Gary Vaynerchuk or Jay Shetty. We love Mel Robbins. Yeah. And and I love those motivational videos for anybody who doesn't know like what we're kind of talking about, like on YouTube where they kind of mash together and they put like really emotional and like inspirational music behind it. And you're just like, I feel myself getting stronger as I listen to this. It's actually an amazing. Yeah. So what I realized is even if I woke up and just stayed in silence. So I used to, I had a mentor early on that was like, when I was first trying to build that first business, that Beachbody business, I was doing all the things and I still wasn't seeing success. And he's like, Jimmy, what are you reading? What are you listening to? And I was like, well, I dropped out of college three times. I'm not a huge reader. He's like, what are you listening to? And I was like, I don't know. I get up and turn on ESPN or music or nothing. And he's still, he's kind of challenged me. He's like, what if you got up and had something that spoke life into you first thing in the morning? Because if you want to fill somebody else's bucket, you got to fill yours first. We cannot impact other people from an empty vessel. And so I needed something, even if it was passively. And so I joke, as I stumble into the bathroom or downstairs to make coffee or get ready for my workout, I realized there was this like hidden 15 to sometimes 30 minutes in the morning that I didn't need to be. I think a lot of people think when they listen to these things or they read personal development, it needs to be active. Like I need to be sitting down and taking notes. But even if it's just in the background, you pick up these things and you specifically some of these talks that pop up over and over again, right? To the point where I can finish their sentences. Oh, you know who else is really good that pops up in these lately is Steve Harvey. Mm, Has some of these, oh my gosh, some of the best personal development stuff, right? So I started this and I found it, it really made a difference because it wasn't me. Sorry, do you think that it it seeps into the subconscious? Like when you're not not listening, like when you're just letting it play in the background? I don't think, yeah, your subconscious is listening constantly. And so I think the idea of, because sometimes I'll, you know, I'll head out to get to the, or start my workout. And I'm like, oh, what was today? I don't really remember. And then, then, you know, like two days later, something will pop up and I'm like, oh, I've heard this one before. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, when I started quoting these things, or I was like, oh, was that mine? Or did I steal that from somebody? Right. Where like, that's where your actual philosophy starts to change. So this is what I started doing. I had buddies. So I started sharing some of this stuff, like on my Instagram stories. And so I had a few friends that said, hey, Jimmy, will you just send me 
whatever you're listening to first thing in the morning. And I was like, you realize they're not, I was like, I make a lot of videos. I was like, these aren't my videos. It's stuff I'm listening to. They're like, yeah, but something's working. He's like, whatever you're doing, send it to me. So I started doing that like in real time. So when I was waking up at five or whatever, I would be like, okay, I'd start mine. And then I'd text it to about four people. Well, that's grown. And I actually literally have an entire community and I don't pre, I don't like schedule these out. They get whatever I'm listening to first thing in the morning when I get up. And so it's been this really cool community of people that can opt in if they want to. And they text and then, and sometimes, you know, people will text me back and like, oh, this was what was the biggest takeaway for today. And it's so great on both ends because hopefully they're getting some value out of it. But I love when somebody texts me back and say, says, you know, Jimmy, this was super helpful or man, I was going through, you know, if somebody's like, oh, I was going through a breakup or a divorce or, oh, this was really helpful because, you know, I just got laid off. That's the greatest stuff. Cause it's not even, again, it's not my content, but it's the fact that we can take something that benefits us and share it with somebody else. And I just feel that those are the two things you're asking, kind of how do you change your state? And it's that mental piece and then movement. And I absolutely going back, Laura, to what you had said earlier is it does fitness go into that? And I absolutely think so. There's just, there's too many scientific studies that show, you know, both the benefits of cardio and strength training and how that literally just changes the chemical, like your entire body changes when you're doing that. Now, obviously we're going to get physical benefits. We're going to live longer. We're going to live healthier lives, but in the moment also, if you're in a dark place or having a bad day or dealing with some depression, I'm not saying that every day I work out, if I'm dealing with some crap, it doesn't just go away. But it, you know what? I feel like I have some control yeah. on something instead of just, and that goes back to early, early on that very first Beachbody DVD I did. There were so many things going wrong in my life that I couldn't control. But that day, there were two things I could control. Am I going to push play and how much effort do I give? And that's kind of anytime things feel out of control in my life, I'm like, okay, what can I control? When I'm listening and reading, and how am I moving my body? Those two things we can always control regardless of what's going on around us. It's the impetus though. It's the impetus, right, Laura? Yeah. I usually have, or like I used to, and I got so much flack for it, but I would write things on my mirror and, you know, dry erase, like to motivational stuff. And one of the things I always had a, was energy begets energy. It's like once you start motion, then that gives inertia and then you just keep going. And it's like, it's hard to feel unmotivated about everything else. Once you've just like conquered an awesome workout or you turn down that enormous pizza, like you're proud of yourself. So then you like keep going. This motivation thing, I always get as a sticking point of that because people like, I'm not motivated. I don't feel like it. And John Maxwell has this great quote of there's two types of people. There's the type of people that say, I'm going to wait till I feel like it and then I'll do it. And there's other people that say, I'll do it. So I'll start to feel like mm, it. Yeah. And I've always said that motivation is the universe's reward for the action you took when you didn't feel like it. And for all of us that wait for the motivation to come, it's like Zig Ziglar says, it's like looking at a fireplace and say, and say you produce heat and then I'll throw the logs on. Mm. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. And so- I really do believe that motivation is such this overrated thing, but that idea of falling in love with the process of showing up every day. So whether that's in my fitness, I'm not happy just on the days that I hit a squat personal record or only on the days where 
the mirror looks fantastic because we all have from day to day, like sometimes we love the mirror and sometimes we hate the mirror or the scale or whatever, you know, we're judging ourselves by. You just said the other day, sometimes the mirror lies to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The mirror and the scale are just some lion bitches. They're, they're, they're terrible. <laughs> I couldn't agree and you, gotta find, you have to find other ways to judge <laughs> progress and success outside of the mirror and the scale, you know, and the same thing in business or even on our personal growth. What can we do? What, there are so many things we can't control. Let's go back to this control. In my performing world, I couldn't control what the people on the other side of the table thought, right? But I could control how I showed up that week. How did I prepare in my lessons with Jack or in class or whatever? And I had to fall in love with that process. And the same thing has followed me in life now. Okay. It's a lot of things I can't control. I can control what I'm listening to. I can control who I surround myself with. I can control what I'm investing in. So for me, and another big part of coming from this kind of struggling, broke performer mindset was the first time I was ever encouraged or challenged to invest in like mentors or coaches. It was like, well, I can't afford that. And it wasn't until I took a step out of my comfort zone. I was like, all right, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. But taking this step out to learn from somebody else, to not just learn from somebody else, but like, I'm going to give you money. But it was funny because I would do it for voice lessons. I would do it for acting yeah, classes. Yeah. And they're like, why wouldn't you do it for business or somebody else that has something in your life? And it took me a little while to get over that spot. But I just found every time I've invested, I grow if you activate. Yeah. That's like, yeah. I don't know how much of the ego plays into that with yeah. people. I think it's like more acceptable when it comes to yeah. like, okay, well. Like if it's a skill. Yeah. Like your trade. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But if it's like just... If it's too vague or whatever, they're like, well, how is that going to really benefit me? But, right. but like a big thing that you, you have a lot of great, like, I love your blogs because they're very like, they're easy to follow. It's kind of like a one major lesson per blog thing. Like I love one of the ones I read today about, you know, teaching as opposed to selling like that you're, it's easier when people listen to you and you, when you seem like you're teaching as opposed to just selling them something because when they're selling them something or they're like, well, what's he trying to sell me now? But the defense walls go up, right? The minute you sell it, you're like, what do you, what's around the corner? What's he up to? But I think what's like really on brand with us is we talk a lot about on the show about personal accountability and you talk a lot about personal accountability and, and focus on personal development And one of the main things you are very passionate about is if you don't like what you see in the mirror, only the person in the mirror is responsible and only the person in the mirror can change it. So, you know, we've touched on it, but could you elaborate on this and why that concept is such an important way to improve one's quality of life? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I got to grab this because I'm so glad you brought this. Okay. So here's my notes from my EMDR session. I didn't even know we were going to go this route, but this is good timing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, this is good. This is good. This is I so going back to the idea of taking a hundred percent responsibility for where your life is today, right? And it's so easy. And I know that there are things that happen outside of us, right? We were betrayed, somebody passed away, we lost a job, there was a pandemic, all the things. But it really wasn't until I started saying everything wrong in my life is my fault. And that's not a popular way that any of us wants to think. But then when you really think about it, you're like, okay, could I have done something before whatever? You know, for me, let's use the pandemic as an example. This wasn't strategic, but the fact that I had started an in-home fitness business 
a decade before everybody had to work out from home, there was a blessing in that, right? Like there was this weird something. And so it was this idea of, okay, this something bad happened to me. Was there something I could have done beforehand that would have lessened this blow? Or is there a lesson out of this? And this, the, what I wanted to the quote that I was given in my therapy session was, it was something, and if I'm not going to find it really quick, was the idea of, of we need to stop pretending that there's no suffering. Like once we accept that life is difficult, it's no longer difficult because instead of it letting us destroy us when there's disappointment, when there's struggle, when there's, we know this is life. Like we don't get to dodge these things. Mm-hmm. And once we kind of accept that, it's not as devastating because we're like, okay, this sucks. It's not that it doesn't suck. It doesn't, that it's not that it's not, you know, sunshine and roses and we're all really happy all the time. Like we're going to hurt and there's going to be pain. But then I always look of like, okay, so what's the lesson in this? Or what can I flip this to? And I think the biggest on top of that, and what my big aha was this past time coming back from working with Dr. Michaela was I had always tried to distance myself as far as I could from former Jimmy. And what I realized is she's like, you're being as mean to him as all these other people were. And there are parts of you that would not be who you are today without that version of you. And to me, I was like, oh, that was my biggest aha is that I was being just as bad to little Jimmy or heavy Jimmy that the people that had hurt me were instead of thanking him. Because in that part of my life, I was developing skills, personality traits, other things that have allowed me to connect with people in this version of myself. And all I had done up to that point is judged him and been like, I just want to be as far away from him as possible. Instead of saying, Oh, all these shitty things that happened to little Jimmy, you survived, bro. Like you persevered. We're here today because of you. Look where we are. And this idea of that, these parts of us that we have looked externally to fill our buckets. And it's usually some, some younger version of us. That the adult version of us, if we will take the time, and this sounds like real woo-woo, but it works, is that if the adult version of us can fill the bucket of that younger version of us, of that betrayed version of us, of that hurt version of us, and say, look, you didn't give up, and look where we ended up. Look what we're doing now. Look, we're on some of the biggest stages in the world impacting people because of what you went through and what you did, instead of me being ashamed of him. And that's real life, like what Jimmy's going through in the past three months was that aha of I didn't realize I was being as mean to those versions of me as the people that I was complaining about. That is, it's very impactful. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've heard a lot of like, you know, I think that that's a common kind of theme theme on this show. Is it really? Yeah. Well, just so we, and it's not like it's always the same situation, but it's like, that Mm -hmm. is, I think the, how you do overcome as you stop beating yourself up for what happened or who you were and you in fact embrace it and you give thanks to it for what's next. So you're all the same person. You can't like erase that. It's just, you got to learn from what happened and move on. So it's like uh, just a few of the people we've talked to recently that it's very much. But then going back to the idea of like a hundred percent responsibility and this idea of like when, even when bad things happen, well, I'm like, okay, well, my story isn't as impactful if I don't have these other steps. Like we don't want to watch the movie when like 
the, you know, the couple's already living happily ever after at the end and there's no drama. Yeah. Right. Like that's a boring movie. You've got to see them go overcome adversity first. You have to, it's every <laughs> rom-com in the world. Even if you know who's going to end up together, you still sit through it. Right. But it is that idea of our adversity is our gift to have impact for others. If we choose to do it, you know, and that's where I go back to as a storyteller, I truly believe everyone has a seven figure story. If it's well-crafted, if you know how to take this story that you've played the victim mentality, you get to take back the power instead of just, this is all the crap that happened to me. How do we flip that? How do we take back the power and how do we impact and help somebody else either that have gone through the same thing or help them avoid some of the things that we might've done as well? Well, that leads me right into my next question. So with our listeners who may be going through a rough time or struggling to take the first step towards healing, what would be your first suggestion to them if you were coaching them? First steps are hardest. First steps are the hardest because it's it's something different, right? And something different is scary. So the first thing I would tell you is congratulations that you even want to take a step because I didn't. For a long time, I didn't want to take a step. I just wanted to double down in my bunker. I just wanted to put the walls up. So if you're like, I'm ready to heal. I'm tired of being here, right? (laughs) There's a story about a little kid walking down the street and he walks by this old man's house. This old man's sitting on his porch and he has his dog sitting there. And this dog is just moaning and groaning and whining and whimpering. And the kid keeps looking at the, waiting for the owner to do something. And the dog's just whining and crying. And and he's like, sir, he's like your dog. He's moaning and groaning and whining and whimpering. And the guy's like, yeah, I know. He's like, why is he making so much noise? Is he in pain? He's like, oh, it's because he's laying on a nail. He's like, well, why doesn't he move? He's like, it doesn't hurt bad enough to move. It just hurts bad enough to moan and groan. Mm. And a lot of us live our lives laying on a nail, willing to moan and groan. And it hadn't hurt enough to move. And that was me. That was me until that moment in the mirror when I was like, okay, enough is enough. So if somebody's starting out and you've reached your enough is enough moment, it sucks. Congratulations. It's all uphill from here. Uphill, nothing awesome ever happened downhill. It's all uphill from here. But you've reached the enough is enough moment. And so you had to go through a lot of pain and a lot of stuff to get to the point of like, I'm ready to change. That would be number one. Number two, I would find some kind of accountability. I would find somebody to lock arms with. Allow yourself to be held accountable in some way. Even if it's just somebody speaking some life into you or sending you a video or allowing yourself to be encouraged and be willing to be willing to maybe look at things a different way, to maybe look at something, listen to something, be open to things. Because again, those are the two things I wasn't. I was hunkered down and I wasn't open. And just be willing to take the next step every day. There's gonna be great days. There's gonna be horrible days. You know, success isn't one linear path up. It's a bunch of jagged, two steps up, three steps down. But just know that you're worth fighting for every day, right? You're worth the battle every day. And part of that's going to be on you. But I found it wasn't until I surrounded myself with a few people that were willing to allow me to borrow their confidence. And I allowed them even to give me the tough love because I knew they cared. And so I guess that would be my two things is congratulations on getting to the point where you're ready to move, be willing to be willing and find some ways to allow yourself to be accountable or encouraged every day. So now that you've done, you know, so much work on yourself, do you still ever kind of give into feelings of inadequacy or has that part kind of been left behind because you've done all this work? No, 
that's immediately why I just spent a bunch of money and spent five days in, in, in California. I just think, <laughs> I don't know. Again, the idea of falling in love with the process so much, there's no finish line, right? Mm. As long as we're given another day, it's another opportunity to grow and learn. I think that that's huge what you just said. There is no finish line. Mm. Because you know what, Todd? Every time I thought there was, whether it was weight, whether it was a pant size, whether it was an income, whether it was a title, whether it was a stage, I'll be happy when. Almost every time on the other side of that, I was proud of myself, but then it was like, oh, what's next? You know, it's this idea of, and I, I find working with people, like I said, 15 years of working with people in so many different ways, I find that the people that have long-term success, because that's what we all want, right? Like, what's the point of hitting something? So that's either, or being the one hit wonder, right? Mm. People do one of two things. They either never stop and give themselves credit or give themselves an applause. And those are the people that burn out. Like they book the biggest gig, they hit a big income goal, they do whatever. And it's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. And while we applaud their drive, that's also where you're still not happy and you're going to burn out. The flip side of that is those people that set a goal or chase after something and they get it and they celebrate so long, they lose all momentum. And the next thing they know, they put all the weight back on or they haven't had a gig in so many years or the business fell apart. And so what I have found is I have to give myself set a goal, chase it with everything I have. And when I get there, stop. And a little attaboy, a little, okay. And and, and celebrate all the little mini victories along mm. the way. It's sort of just a full circle right now with your EMDR therapy. This is kind of a loaded question. If you could go back and talk to yourself as a little boy, as you call him, little fat Jimmy, yeah. what would you say to him? Oh, I would just remind him of how special he is. Just how stinking special he is. And how not everybody's going to get him. And that's okay because he was set apart. He was he was designed for some really cool stuff. And just be patient because some really awesome stuff's coming down the way. You know, I get I get emotional thinking about that because I did. I, this is literally just what I was going through. And I just look at him in such a different way. I'm just like, what a special little dude. And this huge heart for people. And he was just had so much hurt at times mm -hmm. and he felt so left out and that other things were chosen except him. Right. And that was, that was a thing that kept coming back. And it was just like, Hey, hang in there, bro, because this delayed gratification is going to pay off in the long run. And so it's a great question. And I think that's when we probably should all go back and have conversations with former versions of ourselves of like, just hang on. And this idea of look where we are. How flippin' cool is this? You yeah. Know? And also forgiveness. I think if you forgive that child, you know, if you didn't know better at the time, you know, you you want to say, oh, why didn't I know? But you didn't yeah. know. Children. You did, absolutely. It's so much of it you didn't know. Yeah. So it's almost amazing how little you really did not. <laughs> like just looking back <laughs> at like the possibilities of if I went back in time and told my like seven-year-old self that I had you know, that I was an attorney that owned a restaurant that had a podcast and worked for a production company and helped the hospital. I would have been like, you're lying. Like, that's just not even, that's not even a thing because it wasn't even a null. Like you always had to pick one thing you're going to be when you grow up and you kind of sort of had an idea, like you, you wanted a family and you, you know, oh, those yeah, I never things. thought about that. What do you want to be when you grow up? And, we always get that. You always got that and question. And you always had to pick something. We? And that's why I always am really proud of my seven-year-old Isabel because she always picks at least three things 
for like, we've moved on. Yesterday, she broke the news to me that no longer, some of them are off the list, but for a really long time, she wanted to be an astronaut, a dentist, and a doctor. And I was like, girl, you go up into space and you be that <laughs> dentist doctor. Right, do it all. Somebody's got to <laughs> do their teeth in space. In space you know, <laughs> who's going to be doing that? So I love that. And I really love that. We had on Matthew, he even said like that he loves to have a picture of his himself. Oh, Matthew Gardner. Yeah, from when he was five years old, like, you know, on his wall or That's so smart. I thought about making like I have this extremely embarrassing picture of little I've asked my mom too, like where this outfit came from. And <laughs> it's, outfit, it's little Jimmy. <laughs> it's little Jimmy, and this is little Jimmy before Jimmy little Jimmy got super heavy, but it and I mean it's in this like really weird like sailor outfit with like some sailboat on it that kind of looks like a dress and i'm like mom what was why this? would you do but this? i, I but i kind of want to make that my like phone screen saver you now should. be like dude yes look you where we are now way. little sailor to me like whatever fun by thing i don't know what was going on there From but it wasn't my choice this it's the funniest picture and like and in my i've asked my mom and my dad and neither of them take credit <laughs> for the outfit. I'm like, put me in there. It was a guy at Times Square that said, get behind this van and put on this outfit. It was not them. Just stupid outfits. You know what's funny though? And uh, not even our only, our seven-year-old selves, if 29-year-old me passing out chocolates in Times Square knew what 45-year-old me was doing right now, I wouldn't have believed it. You know, wow. so sometimes it's not even the young, young version of us. There's other adult versions of us For or whether sure. it was us in college or whatever. It's just nuts how things can change, you know, and, and even, and it's so funny because I'm, I feel like I'm still just getting started as I study people that really just kind of hit, you know, all these amazing stories of entrepreneurs and people that hit their peak in like their sixties. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, these are the things of like, you know, it's so funny because we've always thought, oh, by 30, I should have this. Or by 40, I should be here. But, and all that's just a crock. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, the other thing I realize as I continue to get older is everybody's just trying to figure this shit out every day also. Uh, nobody, yeah. nobody has it all figured out, right? No. Because no. we look at our parents and we're like, oh, my parents had it all. No, they were making things up and just... <laughs> Gave good face when they told you things. And then when you uh, get old enough, they then come whine to you about what's going on in their lives. Like, oh, the role rehearsal. Yeah. Oh, right. Then yeah. you've got to parent the parents, right? Yeah, and then you're like, oh, this has been going on this whole time. Okay, well, then I'm okay. <laughs> Everything's okay. You realize our, our parents are the greatest acting job ever. You're I like, know. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the best liars too. But for your benefit, you know, it's like, no, we're definitely going to go get ice cream later. Don't right. worry about it. Well, you know, we have had such a good time having you on here and would love to have you back anytime. But we do, before we let you go, have a tradition on the show called Question of the Day. Would you rather never have to wait in line or always have a perfect parking spot? Never wait in line. Why, why is that? I think part of it is my two and a half years of working at Disney World. Okay. Yeah, I'm not waiting in any lines ever. <laughs> that damn mouse. And as much as I travel now, I always tell people like, I invested in clear. Oh, like, me too. Like, oh my, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's changed my I life. will pay for convenience any day of the week. My time is precious. And standing in a line is not... It's not good use of anybody's time. No. And and you know what? 
Parking space didn't bug me. I don't mind walking because I'm moving somewhere. Standing in a line, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah that one's easy. Yeah. All right. Well, I like that because, like yeah, that you know. That's a great question though, but yeah, that one's easy. <laughs> Jimmy, it's so great to see you again, and we're so happy that you came on to Next Page, and we absolutely will ha- we, we want to have you back again and again and again. So this has been great. I'm sure you, we've helped a lot of people today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Hey, do you mind if people want to get in on that morning tech service? Can I give them the information to get in of on the morning course. tech service? Go, of yeah. yes. Go for 100%. it. 100%. And it's literally in real time. So if you don't get up early, just don't have your, you know, put your phone on silent. Yeah. But if you just want to start your day with the exact same videos that I start my day with, in your browser, just go to textcoachjimmy.com. What it's going to do is when you go there, it's going to launch your, your text messages. Just text me the word morning. So go to, coach, go to textcoachjimmy.com, text me the word morning, and you will get, usually it's a quote followed by a video to start your day every morning. And then you can actually text me back there. So if you have questions, if you just need some encouragement for the day, please holler at me. And it's all me, real time, nothing scheduled. Just go to textcoachjimmy.com and text me the word morning. Is there a por- point in the morning where it's no longer considered morning to you? Like, could I text it at like 1030 and still get the same thing? <laughs> You're going to get, it's going to go through when I wake up. Oh, but you don't okay. have to I hear you. All right. But, yeah, so you know, like, put your stuff on silent if you want to wait till you get absolutely. up. Absolutely. Got it. And so it's, you know, what's really funny is like, so when I was in California, so obviously time change difference. So I would wake up still pretty early in the morning and I would get to the app and I'd have people go, yo, are you okay? I didn't get anything this morning. Are you? I was like, yes, I just happened to be on the West Coast. And so my 6 a.m. here is now your 9 a.m. It was actually kind of sweet that people cared. They were like, yeah. are you okay? I haven't, I didn't get anything from you this morning. And I was like, Aww. just in a different time zone, but thanks. Oh, well, we know that just with our, that's the exact time zone we have. So I get three, you know, hours of getting stuff done before Todd's even awoken. Uh, <laughs> um, and you're, you'll put all that in the show I'm notes putting too, it all Laura. in the show notes. But thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been, what a blast of a conversation. I love what you guys are doing. Thank oh, you thanks. so much. We We're had a blast. I really liked it. And I, I feel very motivated, you know, I need to keep moving. <laughs> Now you got to do something with that. Like motivation's the, the emotion. Then we can put action behind it quickly. Exactly. <laughs> well, enjoy Mexico. And, you know, we will all be sitting here very envious of that. But yeah, just h- thank you for your time. We had so much fun. Cool. Thank you guys so much. All, all right. right. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. So thoughts. I'm so motivated to now conquer the world. <laughs> well, I don't know what we're doing sitting here. This is, I mean, but no, this is part of it. This is part of it. He's such a great, I mean, I understand why he does why he does. He is a great coach. He is a great motivator. And he speaks from personal experience. And the stories he told on our podcast, I mean, the stories he continues to tell are very, very powerful and memorable. And that's why I think that's what sets Jimmy Hayes Nelson apart from other coaches in the business because he does put that personal touch on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, literally like a lot of what he said kept like going back to me mentally to other guests and like picking pieces of things that they had said that were like their light bulb moments. Only he has them all like in one cohesive, you know, thought that you, you know, that this is basically the path. And I'm telling you, his blog is really cool. And you would like this because it's like, they're not long. 
<laughs> and there's pictures. And it's very like it's one lesson per thing. But, you know, I just a lot of it, I think, was the beauty of that. One of the things that really stuck with me was that like Tyler, when he was talking, he was talking about the real estate agents and how they're all boring. But that Tyler set himself apart from when he was doing those videos. So like he was a storyteller. He was doing exactly what Jimmy was saying is. And they both got into it sort of at the time when it was brand new, like getting online and all that was was sort of just brand new. Well, somebody's got to go first. And it seems like it's a certain kind of person that usually takes that kind of. Laura, I can't tell. And it just shocks me that he, I'm so happy he's gone to this field because he's clearly, this was his purpose, but he is such a good actor and he is such a great singer. And I'm telling you, like, he is so, so, so talented in that front and in the theater, musical theater acting world. I mean, I'm glad that he has found passion to do this. And well, I think that's part of the thing is that you, you really, you can tell he's a passionate person, but if you're not passionate, you can be good at something you're not passionate about it, what's kind of the point? I mean, right. this is definitely his calling for sure. Not to toot my own horn, but I won an award in law school for mo- like, well, it was outstanding oral advocacy. So everybody made fun of me for getting an oral award, but, but <laughs> it was, I was very good at <laughs> oral arguments and, and being in trial, but I, I would stab my own eyes out if I had to do that day in and day out. And that's just not what I'm into. So you can like be good at it, but not want to do it. And right. but I really, I mean, I've always said I could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman wearing white gloves. Oh my but God. I don't, that I don't is like selling so things. bad on so many levels, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. Gross, you, you know, but it, yes. he, yeah, he really, I don't know. Like I just, and he has his own podcast that he talks yes. on the whiskey, you know, they have a whiskey when they do it. It's great. I mean, his social media is on point. I am definitely going to have him text me every morning. That's I think be... I'm going to do that too. I'm definitely going to see it, you know, three hours later than everybody else, but no, I'm trying to get up earlier. And then I think also. No, he's, uh, he's in Texas. He's on your, isn't oh, he on yeah, the. Yeah. It'll be. Yeah. Well, no, I was kind of hoping he'd be in LA so that it would come in at 9am <laughs> and that would work out for me. But I just like, I really, a lot of what he said was very like, as he covers so much ground when he's talking, he's like, I could really relate with the idea of like, people are like, well, I'm, trying this thing, but I'm not perfect at it. And so therefore I don't really want to do it anymore. Like I always want, when I try something, I want to be like known as the person that could just like pick it up and just be good at it. And then it's like, no, that's not normal. Like nobody can do that. And Unless you're a savant. Unless you're a savant. And I just want to be a savant, I guess. I don't really know. (laughs) But like ultimately the big takeaway that I took from him was that he and how I feel similar to him and I like this and I appreciate this about myself. I'm giving myself a little micro pat victory moment. Oh, pat. Yeah. Yeah. Of there was a long period of time where I had no real idea of what I wanted to do. And so I did a lot of different things and then they all kind of led me to be able to do what I do now, which is also a lot of different things, but I wouldn't be able to do them well if I hadn't, you know, became a personal trainer for a little while, you know, like to have to learn how to motivate people or, you know, just in general, the things that I've tried on have ultimately led me to this and to, you know, all the other projects that I'm on. So I feel like that's a good lesson for everybody out there. Like, even if you're in something that you don't like and you're looking for the next thing, don't think of it as this is 
you know, you're in a horrible place. This is a, you know, something that could be very valuable in the future. Obviously, if you want to change it, you got to change it because the only person that can is yourself. Right. I mean, you know, he says when we argue for our excuses, we get to keep them. Mm, So I agree with you 100%, Laura. And it sounds like you told yourself a long time ago that which is what he's telling himself, you know, we don't need to give ourselves these limiting beliefs. You know, we create the story we tell ourselves. And when he was telling himself that he was, you know, about his childhood, I mean, when he was telling, you know, he wanted to get as far away from his his childhood as possible. And now he's more like embracing that because he understands that that's what led him, that helped lead him to where he is today. And now he thinks he's limitless in his beliefs versus being extremely limited and defensive. And, you know, I definitely think that, the reason he's been so successful and continues to be so successful is because he's done the work and he continues to do the work. The fact that he said that he's still in therapy and that he gives himself five days in a retreat, you know, that's commitment to one's personal growth. And what do we talk about all the time on this show? Personal responsibility, personal accountability. You know, you pointed that out several times throughout the interview that that was like a main speaking point. Mm -hmm. And it's this through line we just keep seeing, I swear, in every episode, in every walk of life, we ultimately are the people that make our decisions. We are the people that make the choices. We can't blame anyone else for where we are in life except ourselves. Yeah. And you can't also, you know, you can't help what other people have the narratives they have in their head about who you Correct. are and what, what's going on. Like you you only have control of yourself and you only have control right. over that. And, and they have to want to change, right? Mm-hmm. And they have to want to change their own limiting beliefs about themselves and people around them because it's so easy to blame other people for your problems. And so the day that you can say, okay, thank you for that feedback. I'm going to go think about that. I'm going to work on that or whatever. Instead of being like, well, you did this and you did that. It's, I think applies. The other day, and then then we'll get off here, Jimmy, we're obsessed with you. But the other day I was watching, I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan of Kelly Clarkson and she just did a podcast recently. Oh, cool. And yeah. And she said that her therapist told her that, look, you don't have to attend every argument. Mm, I love that. Mm, Right. Girl, I love that. So it's almost like you don't have to attend someone else's belief of what you should or shouldn't do, Mm. you know? So that's why I just thought there's this common conscious awakening that is happening right now. I think, especially amongst millennials, we're waking up to things that realizing that our parents did or didn't do, you know, and to their credit, you know, they didn't have Google and and all of these self-help books and all this stuff. They didn't have, they didn't have Kelly Clarkson. I mean, you know? what? Where would the world be without Kelly Clarkson? I know. I was about to say you gave me goosebumps because it was via Kelly Clarkson. You both gave me goosebumps <laughs> just now because you really you don't have to attend every argument. And you, yeah, they were just our parents were working with what they had, and exactly. I think now we have so much and so much information and advice and Jimmy Hayes Nelsons out there that nobody has any excuse. <laughs> anymore. So it's up to you to be the best version of yourself. And the fact that he has honed in on the marketing that he is a storyteller. I mean, Mm -hmm. literally when he would talk about anything throughout the episode, he would tell a story that went along with it. And then you remember the story and then you remember his point. Yeah. So it's, it's a very, very, very smart way to go about this. And, you know, he's created a seven figure business. So he's clearly, you know, killing it. Seems like he's doing okay. Wait, real quick, question of the day. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, that's right. 
Laura, would you rather never have to wait in line or always have a perfect parking spot? Never have to wait in line. It's like there's no, hands down because there's just such a thing as Uber. I <laughs> can get dropped off right in front of wherever I need to be. And like him, I really don't mind walking because that gives me a chance to like get some exercise in. I can also answer some texts. A line makes me want to claw my eyes out. Like it is just so like that's and I when he mentioned the clear thing, that's that's so funny because I just got TSA like a couple months ago and was like pre-check and was like Oh my God, I've been doing this wrong this whole time. And then yeah. I got clear and was like, this doesn't even feel like, like, I feel like I'm breaking the law at this point. Like they're just letting it me just right on right through. through. So yeah, they vet you. I highly recommend it. It's like, I agree. I agree. As someone who travels every other week, I'm a member of both and it makes life so much easier. I mean, it's a little creepy that they got your eyes and your fingers and everything. But at this point, I mean, they probably scanned my entire body in one of those machines and they just have a robot. They know where we are every minute of the day because we have our phones. Everybody knows everything. I think it's funny how people get so weird about security. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) they know. Jimmy. Hayes, Nelson. I want to know we buy yours. Oh, it's the same. You know it's the same. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. Oh my God. It's the exact same. Who? Nobody wants, nobody wants to wait in a fucking line. Yeah. Whoever answered that question (laughs) the other way around is dumb. (laughs) So. (laughs) Always have a perfect parking spot. Okay. Well. Yeah. Sure. Oh, fine. You're just lazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Coach Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on the program. Faux show. It was great. It was great to see you as always. Oh, Till next time. All right. Till next time. Goodbye. Bye.